So firstly, I want to thank Matt and David for the trust to let me get up here and uh, do this sort of thing. Um, I didn't know there was some sort of test. Um, and, and my friend Jeff, who's here from Sydney, has already threatened me this morning that if I, if I uh, say any heresy, he's going to stone me. So um, I'm feeling quite threatened. Anyway... Um, and I want to thank Bethany because I've, I've had a bit of a go at her this morning. And that's, but Bethany is awesome. Um, we, are, we are very lucky to have you. Um, in a lot of ways, that song is, uh, is relevant to the, to the topic for today, of today's, uh, today's passage. Um, you know, superheroes uh, seem to be, or at least in the last few years, have really become the flavour of the month in the cinemas. Um, the, the film companies are, are certainly milking the franchises, aren't they? Um, and now, I don't know about you, but... Uh, I, sorry, I, I actually don't get to see many of these superhero movies. I don't tend to go to the cinemas very much. Um, but I work with a number of people who are, who are absolutely obsessed with these movies. And um, one of the things that I really didn't realise... Um, is uh, is just how how uh, how flawed some of the the characters are or have become. Um, they all seem to have issues. Uh, you know, whether it be the the uncontrolled rage of the Hulk or the um, the uncontrolled arrogance of. of of Iron Man, um, you know, there's the seduction and lying of the Black Widow, and and I understand that in in the last couple of years they've even brought out Superman and Spider-Man movies where they've turned evil, um, and uh, you know they've used their powers to destroy rather than to save, um, and it seems that that in the movies sooner or later jealousy, rage, and the misuse of power seems to infect even even our most virtuous characters. Um, it was a, a guy named Baron, Baron Dalberg Acton who actually said, um, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Now, this is a bit of a cynical statement, I think, but um, we've all seen powerful and mighty fall. Um, they fall victims often to their own, to, to their own fame. And... Uh, now, over the last few months, you might remember, actually, most of this year, we'd, earlier we've been looking at the book of Judges, and so many of the heroes in that book, um, they, they got wrapped up in, in their own importance and power, and that's what that, uh, led to their downfall often, quite often. Now, uh, if you've been tracking with us uh, over the last couple of weeks, um, we've started moving through the book of Hebrews, um, very different to the book of Judges. And a couple of weeks ago, Matt introduced us uh, to the book and we considered uh, the author's argument that Jesus is greater. Um, now, these Hebrews that are the first audience of this letter, um, in fact, in some ways, it, if you, when you read it, it reads more like a sermon than a letter, but we'll, we'll call it a letter nonetheless. Um, the recipients, they placed a, um, a huge... Sorry, when Matt was speaking, he spoke about that Jesus is greater than the angels, and these Hebrews, they placed a huge significance on angelic encounters, and probably rightly so. Uh, but the writer, start, and the writer started by highlighting the superiority and preeminence of Jesus over and above, uh, the, above the angels. 
and you know, while the angels reflect God's glory, Jesus is the perfect expression of and the exact representation of God. So he is superior to the angels and he is our only means by, of purification. Um, then last week, once again, Matt, uh, he, he talked to, looked at the second chapter for us and, and we saw that Jesus, despite being uh, like us, human, he is a greater salvation than what was available before. He, he, can, uh, he can be this because he lived and experienced all that we experience. Um, and Jesus' life of perfection means that he can now be our priest, our, our atonement and, and our helper. Because Jesus' uh, life and his death, um, uh, because of Jesus' life and his death, he has the capacity to make us right again. You know, Jesus' perfection is our means of salvation. And now that brings us to today's passage, and that's uh, chapter 3. And the title of this passage is that Jesus is greater than Moses. Now, you're probably thinking, why on earth would... Uh, the author be now talking about Moses. I mean, we've already seen that Jesus is greater than the angels. Well, at least in my mind, I would have started with Moses and built up to the angels, but here it's the other way around. Um, well, I think when we look at this, we need to think about who this was written to, who it was addressed to. It's addressed to Hebrews, to Jewish people. Um, and for them, there's probably no one more revered than Moses. Moses is probably the closest thing that the Hebrews had to a superhero. Um, you know, he, he, was, he was involved in taking down, Mo, taking down the pharaohs. Uh, he performed all those miracles. He, he, he talked directly with God. He, he glowed um, with uh, the reflection of God's glory. Um, yes, all the Hebrews, they all considered the patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac and Jacob incredibly important because it was through the patriarchs that they claimed their promise to be God's people. However, Moses, um, it's in Moses that they have the great, a great and probably up to this point the greatest ever leader. Um, someone who did the most miraculous things during his time. So let's have a look at this passage. Um, we're starting in chapter 3, and we're going to just read to start with. Just go back to the first six verses. And there it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful to God in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over the house, and we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and, and the hope in which we glory. Now, there's an awful lot in this passage, and I'm, it, it, it's a bit of a daunting one to try and pull apart, but that's what we're going to try and do, and I'll just pick out some of the tasty bits, I reckon. Um, of course, this cha chapter starts off with therefore, and, and that means we have to think of what was the previous point. And the, 
The previous point in chapter 2 was that Jesus is our high priest. He is the only one who can represent us to God the Father because he lived as we live and he's now at the right hand of the Father. But here the author calls, uh, calls us this amazing title. He says, holy brethren or holy brothers and sisters, part of the family. Um, and while, while he, this author uses the term brethren a few times later through the, through the book, um, this is the only time that he uses the adjective holy. Um, and I think this is because Jesus is trying to connect, uh, sorry, he's trying to connect Jesus' priestly position and the impact that has on us. It makes us God's holy people. And, and that's, you know, that's us. We, we, can hold, uh, we can be holy if we allow Jesus to be our priest and our intercessor. And we can, we can know this because he's talking to people who've, who have a, once again, heavenly calling. We have a calling or a purpose that is not from within ourselves, but given to us by God. Speaking of our, of our calling or purpose, just take a quick look at what it says next. It says we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the apostle and high priest. Now, just like before, this is actually the only time in the, in the whole of the Bible that Jesus is referred to as, on, as directly as an apostle. Um, it's a it's really unusual way to describe Jesus. Um, we usually think of Jesus willingly setting aside his glory uh, to come into the world. But the idea of an apostle is one who is sent, you know, tasked with authority and a message um, to be delivered. But the idea of Jesus being sent actually is not completely new. If you, if you were to flip back to John, 7, uh, John 17, 18, uh, Jesus is praying for his disciples just before he's arrested. And in that passage, um, Jesus prays to the Father and he says, as you have sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. Um, so Jesus saw himself as, as one sent. Um, so he seems to put aside his authority as well as his glory and obey the Father. So that would, be a, would appear to be part of our heavenly calling, in fact. To be like Christ, we are being sent into the world. And then that brings us to this discussion about Moses. The Hebrews' great and revered leader, and a small s, saviour also. Um, Jesus is greater than Moses. Now, when Moses is mentioned to the Hebrews, they would have all known the stories, of course. You know, he's a, Moses was a special child. He, he, he was saved from a barbaric king. He was raised by an adoptive parent, rejected by his own people. Uh, he spoke to, uh, God spoke to him and sent him with a message. Uh, he brings the people out of their chains. He leads them through the waters of salvation, the you know, Red Sea. Uh, they, they come... They, because of that, they become a separated people. And, and then later Moses spends 40 days on the mountain encountering God. Then he delivers the law. Moses acts like a judge. He leads the people all the way up to the promise. So 
By bringing up Moses at this point, the writer is deliberately trying to get us, get us, the audience, to compare and contrast the life of Moses with the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus was also a special child, um, saved from a barbaric king, adopted by an earthly parent, rejected by his own people. God declared that he had a message, uh, you know, and this is my son, listen to him at, the baptism, at his baptism. In fact, he leads his people through baptism, which once again marks and separates them as a people devoted to God. Um, Jesus' blood is the fulfillment of the law. He releases us from our chains of sin and, and, uh, and he'll be the judge of us all. So we can easily see that there's similarities and we can also see that, that Jesus in these similarities is greater. Moses was like a, a preparatory sketch, whereas Jesus is more like the finished masterpiece. Moses is the servant and Jesus is the son, the heir, uh, and he is the completion. You know, this is exactly the same point that's being made by God during the transfiguration. If you've got your Bibles, flip back. One of the records of that is found in Matthew chapter 17, where it says, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased, listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Do you see what's happening here in this story? Jesus' full glory is on display. It's not hidden from these three disciples. And Moses, who is representing the law, and Elijah, who I think is representing the prophets or the promise of redemption, um, they are both there with Jesus. And while Peter, a Hebrew, wants to enshrine all three, in effect, putting them all at the same level, God the Father himself speaks and elevates Jesus as the Son, the one to be listened to. And Moses and Elijah evaporate in comparison. Jesus is left standing alone without equal. So Jesus is greater. Greater than Moses. Greater than Elijah. Greater than any hero that they or we might choose to idolise. He's the fulfilment of the law and the fulfilment of the prophets. Jesus is greater than the angels. He's, he, Jesus is our great salvation. But of course, like the people of Moses' time um, and also people from our own time, um, sorry, but like, uh, but 
like the people of Moses' time and also people from the time of the prophets, um, there is actually a risk here, a, a risk that we won't take on board this truth about Jesus. We, we won't grasp the implication of who Jesus is, that we would see Jesus as somehow less than what he is, see him as less than adequate or not a full saviour. And that's exactly what the author is, it, it, why the author then quotes uh, Psalm 95. So in verse 7 of Hebrews 3, um, he quotes Psalm 95. And it says, So as the Holy Spirit said, uh, just noting there at the start, that the writer actually attributes the psalm to the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit, not to a human writer. Um, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of the testing in the wilderness where, where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with, the, with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have, not, they have not known my ways. So I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now, remember this letters to the Hebrews. They would have known this psalm. Um, they probably could quote the whole thing. In fact, most of us probably can quote a lot of this psalm. Maybe not this part, which is the second half, but if you look back at Psalm 90, uh, 95, you probably know it from the first half. It starts off, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Now, I'm, probably, I'm pretty sure a whole lot of you are going, oh yeah, I sort of know that one. Um, and that's exactly what the Hebrews would have, be, would have had ringing in their heads um, when this psalm was quoted. Um, they're expected to understand the context the psalm itself is speaking about the supremacy of God. Um, so the point that's being made here in Hebrews is that Jesus is God. Um, if you look at Psalm 95, let's have a look at the, at the first half of it. And it says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Come. Uh, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us sing, uh, let, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before him, the Lord and maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. We see here that, that, that the Lord is the rock of salvation, the king above all others, the creator, um, and that he's a shepherd. And, and then it comes to this section that we, we saw today. Um, today, if you hear his voice, do not, uh, do not harden your hearts. You know, that's a really big if. Today, if. You hear his voice. Um, do not harden your hearts. This is both a, a reminder and a warning. A reminder that God's people, the Hebrews, and by extension us also, we're not immune from taking our eyes off God 
for placing our faith in false second-rate wannabe saviours. In the Hebrew rebellion at the time of Moses, they would see the hand of God working. You know, they leading them through the sea, providing water in the desert, providing manna to eat. He led them with a pillar of cloud um, in the day and a pillar of fire at night. But still, they had sinful, unbelieving hearts. Despite all this overwhelming evidence, they still didn't fully believe. And they still went their own way. And that's why they never entered the rest. They all wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years and, and died in the desert. So this is a really sobering warning for us um, who, who say that we are children of God. It's not only a call to be 100% sold out to following Jesus, but it also, this passage recognises that we actually have a responsibility to walk that road hand in hand with other members of, of the church, of the body of Christ. You can see it there in, in, in verse 12 of, of Hebrews 3. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be, hard, may be hardened by sinful's, sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold to our original conviction firmly to the very end. So there's the challenge. We need to hold to our conviction to the very end. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. To encourage and support one another in the in the walk also because we are the body of Christ and and we can't actually do that alone we're being told that no matter how impressive something something or someone is that we must be on guard that we don't get caught up in following just a leader no we need more we need a saviour. And that's why we're told Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses was the great leader. But it wasn't his power that parted the sea. Moses brought the law. But it wasn't him that made the law. Moses talked to God and interceded for his people. But he couldn't pay for their sins or be their salvation. He couldn't even save himself, actually. No, he, he, he could only look forward in faith that God would one day provide the perfect atoning sacrifice. But Jesus, well, Jesus, he went further than Moses ever could. He's not just the one we should follow, He's not just the bringer of the law. He's, he's no ordinary priest who brings a sacrifice for us. He is the sacrifice. He is the one and only way, our provider and our sustainer. He's our saviour. Um, and it's in him that we can find rest because he's already done all that's needed. He's sufficient. 
I think that's the key message here. Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses, who was able to take the people all the way, uh, who wasn't able to take the the people all the way to the promise. But by faith, um, belief in Jesus, we can find rest. And we need to keep our eyes fixed on him and him alone. How about we pray that through right now? Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We, we thank you that he is greater than Moses. We, we know that in Moses and the prophets, you gave us a picture of what was to come so that we would recognize the promised Savior when he, came, when he arrived. Father, help us to keep our eyes fixed on him. Help us to follow him and, to, and help, us, help those around us also to follow him. Help us to live lives fully committed uh, to the worship of Jesus and to faithfulness. Amen.